Bayhill's Community Church is pleased to have you join us as we continue our series, Truth and Dare. In this series, we're looking closely at the life of Abraham and the covenant God established with him. Today, our pastor to students, David Sauer, has us look at the impact generosity and greed had on the lives of Abraham and Lot. He challenges us to recognize generosity and greed and the differences they can make in our day-to-day lives. I am Pitbull, and I am your youth pastor. Welcome to Bay Hills. My name is Dave Sauer, and I am the uh, youth pastor here at Bay Hills, and so excited to be here with you guys today. And every Sunday, uh, my family and I moved here uh, one month ago this weekend, and we live in Hercules, and we're just so excited. I have four, almost four, ba- well, I should say, I have four toilets in my house. It's beyond phenomenal with six, with six girls, my wife and five daughters. And I actually started writing a book called Even My Dog's a Girl, because we had a girl dog for a while. And uh, we're just so blessed to be here. We feel, we feel at home. And uh, anytime you start in a new place or a, a new land, you just want to feel at home. And we just feel the youth leaders have been so wonderful and all the students and all of you. So we just thank you for that. And it's just been a blessing for us. Sorry to blind you guys right here. Just hold on. Okay, there we go. Uh, you know, last week we had a great message from, how many of you guys were here last week? Raise your hand, you were here last week. We had a great message from Dave, didn't we, last week? And some of the things we learned about Abraham last week was, one is God said, God promised him he would guide him. He gave him guidance. And, and the other thing is God said, I will give you success, Abraham. Um, he said, I will, fav- I will give you favor. I will, I will build a legacy through you, Abraham. We learned that last week, but we also learned about some of the flaws that happened with Abraham, his faltering of his faith. We learned about, uh, you know, how, how partial obedience is really a form of disobedience because of him bringing Lot when God asked him, hey, you know, leave your family, leave your father's house and go where I ask you to go. He said, okay, I left my father's house, but let me bring my nagging nephew with me, okay? He did that. He, he, another thing that we're faltering of faith is a faith that cannot be tested, cannot be trusted. You know, he's in the land of Canaan and, and things are going pretty okay, but there's a little thing happened called, oh, I don't know, famine. We know a little bit about, you know, those kind of things here in, in California. And, and I kind of wish some of us would be like Abraham and get up from the, you know, the famine and, and, the, and all the, you know, the lack of rain, except today. Uh, by the way, they're saying that the rain we're getting, I'm like, this is rain. The rain we're getting isn't going to really change our status it, because it's not really, you know, it's hitting here in the Midland and not in the kind of the South. It's not getting in the mountains well enough. So we're still going to, they're, they're still going to have a drought. I'm still going to water my lawn, just saying. <laughs> but a faith that cannot be tested, cannot be trusted. The other thing we learned about was trusting and obeying God regardless of circumstances or consequences. See, well, we learned this from Dave too, that Abraham pimped out his wife. Okay. Now, that's kind of a bad thing, and he didn't trust God based on the circumstances. He was going into Egypt, and it looked like a great land, but he was a little fearful because he had a haughty, we learned that from Dave, had a haughty of a wife, and, and he, he kind of said, hey, this is my sister instead of my wife, and he didn't trust God in those circumstances. But today, we're going to talk about generosity 
and greed. Because we want to see how this plays out with Lot and Abraham or Abraham and Lot. I don't know about you, but when I think of generosity, when I think of greed, I kind of go to the celebrity route. Maybe I watch too much television. Maybe I'm on the internet too much. I don't know, but I kind of think of celebrities when I hear the words generosity and greed. And and one of those things, I, I think of Oprah, right? Famous talk show host, now is worth over a billion dollars. It's like Oprah, she's a philanthropist. She does so many great things for the world. I think of Oprah when I think of that. I don't necessarily think of Jerry Springer, right? I, I sometimes I think of... of uh, Bill and Melinda Gates. Don't Bill and Melinda Gates. I mean, they just, they're known now for not founding Microsoft. They're known for all the stuff they do in the, around the world. I don't really think of the other billionaire, Donald Trump, as maybe the philanthropist. He might be. He might be a great guy and give a lot of money. You know, I, I kind of go to the rock star route once in a while because secretly I want to be a lounge singer. Okay, just don't tell anyone. I heard that guy over there. And I I think, oh, you know, what rock star gives lots of money and does lots of great things around the world? And I immediately go to Bono. Like, yes, Bono does all these great things around the world. I don't necessarily think of Mick Jagger. Right? (laughs) He's not the guy I think of when I think of generosity. I'm just saying. Let's pray, and then we'll dig into God's Word. Father God, we thank you for who you are in our lives, and that you can show us through your Word the differences between generosity and greed. And you can change our hearts and transform us through the mighty power of your word. We ask you to bless us today. Bless this time together as we look at your word. Uh, Give us uh, a heart to receive as we uh, share together in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. So here here we go. Abraham in chapter 13. I love this. 13 verses 1 and 2. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife, and everything he had, and Lot went with him. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock, in silver, and in gold. Now, I want to talk about a couple of things up here. First of all, his wife. This is the only time in chapter 13 anything about his wife is mentioned. Do you guys know that? I'm thinking she's kind of going back from Egypt a little mad. (laughs) It's like, I'm not talking to him. I don't care what they say. I'm not talking to that man. He tried to give me up as his sister. Right? I think she's a little upset going back. She's not mentioned at all in chapter 13, except for this one time. And also, he's like Lot's with him. Here's Lot coming along with the, for the ride again. And they're very, very wealthy. Abraham is now being obedient. He's now living in obedience. He's now walking in obedience, figuratively and physically. He's walking in obedience. And he's being blessed because of it. He has... His obedience now is leading, has led him to great blessing and contentment. Fulfilling that promise. So our first point today is, is obedience leads to great blessing and contentment. You know, we live in a world, we live in a world that wants us to chase after the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Right? We, we live in that world like, oh, we can't wait to find our riches and find it. You know, that's why the line for the lotto was so long when we all tried to buy a ticket for the $400 million Powerball the other night. Right? We're all, we all want that. We're all chasing after the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. I was in, I was coming out of Lucky's the other day with one of my daughters and, and we were so excited because we come out and there's this beautiful rainbow in the sky. Beautiful. I took a picture of it on my iPhone and I was like, that looks like it's right down by my house. We gotta get home, honey. There might be a pot of gold there. But really, it's, it's about the contentment, isn't it? 
There might be a pot of gold somewhere out there for us. But it's being content with where God has us. It says in 1 Timothy 6, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Isn't that true? We should be content with food and clothing and what we have. And you know what? God can bless us abundantly. We can have an abundance of things and stuff and good things and money and riches. But it's being content. There was recently a couple on a hike in the Sierra Nevadas on their own property. And I know they were content because they were on a hike with their dog. Anytime you go anywhere with your dog, you're content, right? It's like, oh, I miss our dog. This moment of silence. Okay, that was good. Um, but you're, they're, on a, they're on a hike in the woods in their own property with their dog and there's a level of contentment in their life. And they come, they come across and they're walking. You can picture this couple walking down the path. Oh, honey, I love you so much. We're so content, aren't we? This is wonderful. And like, they trip and fall and there's a tree, a root there. And they say, honey, there looks like there's something in the ground. Maybe we should dig it up. Really? Okay. They take a stick and they start digging it up and they pull out a can full of these gold discs. There were actually coins and they dig a little further and they find another and another and another and another. And they had $10 million worth of gold coins that they uncovered on their own property in the Sierra Nevadas. Now, I don't want all of you rushing off of here and going up to the Sierra Nevadas with your backpacks on and your shovels and digging up the side of the mountain. But I wonder how many of us are just content. And we're wandering on that trail, just content, loving life, living life, having a great time doing it. And, we, and we're walking the trail and all of a sudden, maybe God's going to have a pot of gold at the end of that rainbow. But if we're always chasing after it, how can we live in a life and be content? So let's get on to ver, uh, verse 3. So it says this, From the Negev he went up to the place until he came to Bethel to the place between Bethel and Ai where his tent had been earlier and where he had first built an altar. There, Abram called on the name of the Lord. Now, I want to look at this for a minute because he went, he went place to place. He went place to place until he came to Bethel. Now, he has a huge group of people with him. Abraham is traveling with a large, basically a large army of people and, and cattle and sheep. And he has workers and people are, you know, they're, they're, they're poking and prodding, getting animals here and there and everywhere. And we'll learn a bit, a little bit later about some arguments that were happening along the way. But they were trying to find where they needed to go. He was going place to place because he, he, it's like, oh, no, I think, Abraham, you built the altar over there. No, 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 maybe you built it over here. No, 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 maybe you built it over there. And he was looking for it. And I know for us, I know for me, there's those times in my life where I'm really looking for God and I'm like, God, where are you? Oh, you're over here. Oh, no, you're over here. And we have to find that place where we can really just, God, you're here. Now, the truth is he's here all the time. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. But Abraham's in that place where he's searching for God, getting back to that place where he found him. And how many of us are in that place right now in our lives where we need to get back to where we found him? We need to get back to that place where we first heard from God. So, he, so he's there and, 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 and they finally get there. And what does he do? Where he first built the altar, he called on the name of the Lord. Lord, come here. Be with us. So second is great blessing shouldn't turn us away from God. 
See, Abraham has everything going. He has a huge herd of sheep. He has camels. He has livestock. He has gold and silver. All of these great things. He has all of the, all the worldly trappings. And so many times when we, when we achieve great things in life, the worldly trappings, we turn away from God. But what does Abraham do? He turns to God. So those things shouldn't turn us away from God. There's a young lady a number of years ago that had a, had a Christian recording contract. She was, she was so excited. She was writing songs. She was making music. She was going to tour the world as a follower of Jesus, as somebody that was going to set the world on fire. In fact, one of her favorite verses was, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. God is everything to me. In fact, it goes on to say later in that same psalm, it says uh, in verse 21, For I have kept the ways of the Lord, and I am not guilty of turning from my God. You guys know this young lady as Katy Perry. Here's a girl that had the world by the tail, had the Christian music world, was going to take it by storm. But that wasn't enough. Last year she made $25 million dollars. $25 $25 million. But she also had a divorce. She had a couple train wreck of a song she released. I'm mean, just saying, I, you know, I, I, she could have done better than that. I, you know, she could have done a Kelly Clarkson song. Um, <laughs> those of you that insiders know that joke. But here she is. Now, is Kelly Clarkson a good person? Yeah, I'm sure she's a good person. But she had all the trappings of the world and she turned away from God. Abraham turned to God when he had it all. Let's continue on. So Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me. Oh, by the way, you guys are like, what happened to verses 5, 6, and 7? We'll get back to it. Because I know some of you are in here like, he didn't go to verse 5, 6, and 7. What's going on? I will get to that in a minute. I'm, I'm fast forwarding. So Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we are close relatives Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go left, I'll go right. If you go right, I'll go left. See, here here we have Abraham who wants to make peace. In fact, he has everything. But, you know, some scholars will tell you that Lot was probably the annoying little nephew that some of us have. Maybe some of you call him your annoying little brother. But Lot was probably a little bit annoying to Abraham. He's like, come on, Abraham, I want to make more. I want to have more. Come on. It's not fair. You got silver and gold, and I only got livestock from the guy in Egypt. You know, he, you, got, you have more than I have, and, and oh, I, want, I just want more. And he's nagging in Abraham's ear. In fact, he's over there with his workers, you know. Hey, you know, make sure you kind of make our sheep over in the greener pasture so they get a little fatter. They get a little plumpier. They get a little bit bigger. And they're quarreling, you know, my lot sheep are better than your sheep. No, they're not. Abraham's sheep are better. Can you hear it? I can hear it now. And they're quarreling amongst each other. And what does Abraham do? Abraham doesn't say, Lot, suck it up. Your sheep are there. Mine are here. This is what it's going to be like. Done. That's something I would do. <laughs> what does is, what is Abraham do? He says, Lot, what's mine is God's. Have your pick. You can have anything you want. If you say, I'm going to go to the left, I'll just go to the right. If you say, I'm going to go to the right, I'll go to the left. Have, you can have the pick of the litter. 
the cream of the crop, the best of the best. Whatever you want, Lot, you can have. I find it fascinating that Abraham would do that because most of us wouldn't. Most people in the Bible didn't. You look at King David and what did King David do? He's like, oh, ooh, I like that one. I'll take her. But here's Abraham saying, I'm going to be generous. Why? Because he was chasing after God. See, chasing after God leads to generosity. It leads to generosity. If we chase after God, Abraham was trying to find that place. He wanted to get back to God. He wanted to be in God's favor. And, and he was chasing after God. But what, did, what do we do? We don't. We want to chase after stuff after things. In fact, I was in Guitar Center the other day and, I, and I'm a closet guitar player and I, I'd love to be a shredder, but I was, I was playing an acoustic guitar in the, in the acoustic guitar room at Guitar Center down in Emeryville and that wasn't a plug for that store, by the way, I'm just saying. But I was playing a guitar and I was like, man, this guitar's awesome. I look at the price tag. It, the car, it was worth more than my car. It was like, ooh, I better be careful with it. Near. You know when you do that and your hands get all sweaty and you're like, Oh, I better be careful with this. And the guy comes in. He's like, anything I can help you with? No, this wasn't a dollar guitar. <laughs> I don't want to tell you how much my Hyundai's worth. Um, some of you might want to buy it. But we chase after things. I, I love guitars. I would love to spend thousands of dollars on a really nice guitar. I grew up in the Seattle area. I love In Seattle area, everybody has a boat. Everybody, Every driveway has a boat in it. Even if it's a bad boat, every driveway has a boat. Everybody has a boat. A rowboat. A speedboat, a scissor boat, a cigarette boat, a sailboat. Everybody has a boat. We chase after boats. I always wanted a boat. I love to go boating. My family, on the other hand, they're afraid of falling over and drowning. But me, I could swim, okay? And they wear, you wear those orange, cute little orange life vests. Aren't they cute? I wear the orange ones just to be obnoxious to people. I put them on and they're small, too small. I can't buckle them up. But it's okay. I can swim. But I'm thinking, wouldn't it be the best of both worlds to get a guitar and a boat, combine them, like it'd be, yes! It'd be so good. I'd be like, man, I would be just like that guy. I'd put my sunglasses back on, I'd get a toupee, and we'd be in business. It'd be so good. I'd be strolling around, what's up? That guy's playing, that guy's playing, right? He's on a guitar. I could tow it behind my Hyundai. I mean, just picture that. Hyundai going down the road with a guitar. It'd be, oh, I'd be off the hook. Man. But the reality is, everything is God's. Everything we have, everything on the earth. In fact, it says in Psalm 24, 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Everything is his. And that's when generosity comes out, when we realize that everything we have is his. See, because the world's definition of generosity is this. They, they, they want to chase after a feeling in fact, I, I wrote it this way. Generosity is chasing after a feeling so we give a little back of everything that's ours. Isn't that true of the world? Isn't that true that we want that feeling when we give something, that it feels really good to give something? And so we chase after the feeling of generosity because it feels so good. I've seen interviews with Oprah. I've seen interviews with Bill and Melinda Gates. I've seen interviews with Bono. And they all say how good it feels when you're generous and you can help someone else. But as a Christian, it shouldn't matter how we feel. 
There should be no feeling attachment to it. Now, God blesses us with a really good feeling. But the reality as a Christian is this. Generosity is chasing after Christ. So we obediently give back a little bit, a little bit of everything that's his. Because everything we have is his. Then whether we have a good feeling or a bad feeling about it, we give it back out of obedience. And then the feeling doesn't matter. But guess what? God still gives us that good feeling, doesn't he? God still gives us that, that amazing sense uh, inside that we've blessed somebody in his name. Not in the name of Dave or the name of Oprah or the name of Bill or the name of Bono, but we've blessed them in the name of Jesus. And isn't that what being generous as a Christian is all about? Now we'll look at Lot for those of you that were waiting for me to get back to verse 5. Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. He was also rich. He had flocks and herds and tents. He had a lot of stuff. But the land could not support them while they stayed, while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herders and Lot's. The Canaanites, the Perizzites were there, who also were living in the land at the time. There were people living there in the land, and they saw that they were arguing. They were fighting. They were bickering amongst themselves. Lot's people were against Abraham's people. Abraham's people were against Lot's people. There was fighting going on, and Lot, and Lot wasn't really doing anything about it. And see, part of it is that Lot so desperately wanted to keep up with Abraham. He wanted what Abraham had. He wanted the favor of God. He wanted the power. He wanted to save people. He wanted to proclaim the name of God to the world. But Abraham was the one that was made, that was made to have the promises. Abraham was the one that had the favor with God. But don't we get that play, in that place sometimes where we see somebody else having favor in an area and we want to have favor with them, you know, in that area as well. Or we see somebody else getting a, a new car and we want to get a new car. We see somebody else, they got a new, you know, MacBook Pro and they want to get a new MacBook Pro and, and the new iPhone comes out. I mean, technology does this to us. They, it's like every six months this thing is different. And I'm like, oh, that kid got a new iPhone. I want one. Oh. Can I snap a selfie? Ugh. That's that's what the world teaches us. Everything we, every page we turn, it's like, oh, the new TV's out. I do want to get one of those touchscreen TVs, though. Those look so cool. Like, new channel. Like swatting flies. But greed gets us in a place where we're keeping up with the Joneses. So keeping up with the Joneses can lead to greed. It can lead to great, but it can also lead to great gain. Because, you know, isn't it funny? Lot had a lot of things. Lot had stuff. He had great gain. The world would have looked at him as successful. All of the other neighbors would have said, man, Lot's got a big house. Look at the spread he has. Look at all the sheep in Lot's backyard. This is amazing. Oh my goodness, honey. Why do you always talk like that when you're talking about a rich person? Like, honey, could you just like give me some of that? Because that would be nice to have a sheep like that. <laughs> but keeping up with the Joneses can lead to great gain. It just can. But will we keep up with the Joneses when our house maybe looks like this? 
Like, oh, I want to keep up with the Joneses. A little too late to keep up with the Joneses. It says in Luke 12. In fact, here it is. Someone came up to Jesus and said, Jesus, you need to be the arbitrator. You need to, you need to come in and, and, you know, we're having a little difficulty splitting the will. You guys, maybe no one in here has ever had that challenge, but you know, we can't decide brother and sister, sister and brother, how we're going to split the will up. And Jesus, maybe you can be the guy that does that. And Jesus says, you know, um, man who made me a judge or arbiter over you, who, who did that? But, and he says here, and he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetedness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Jesus is warning us to not covet over our neighbor's stuff. In fact, there's one of those, um, what do they call them? Uh, commandments that says not to covet over your neighbor's stuff. But we live in a society that encourages that, that every television commercial that comes on says, covet your neighbor's stuff, get a new iPhone. Number, number two, great gain can turn us away from God. This is number two on the greed part, by the way, you guys. Great gain can turn us away from God. See, here's Lot. We know without doubt that Lot was a follower of God. Some of you are thinking, well, he fell away from God. No, actually he didn't. If we look in, well, here's how I know, because actually Lot wore one of these, which many of us like to wear. He had this little thing around his neck. That's how we knew Lot was a follower of God, because he had a cross. No, I'm kidding. Um, what, what Lot did is it says, it actually says in 2 Peter 2, it says it three times that Lot was righteous. He was righteous. He was righteous amongst the wicked. So we know Lot, one of the things that was driving him to move, to take the land that he took, was that he, he wanted to witness to those people. He wanted to reach them. He wanted to share God with them. That's what Lot wanted to do. He was a, he was a righteous man amongst the wicked. But was he ready for it? Was he ready to be a righteous man among the wicked? See, so, there's so many of us like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go conquer it. I'm going to move to Vegas and save the sin city. And then six months later, we're like, oh, somebody needs to save me. I've, I've gambled all my money away. And that was where Lot was. You know, and, and one day... A, a rich a rich young man came up to Jesus who had great wealth. And we all have heard this story. We've heard it in Sunday school. But he comes up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, how, how can I go to heaven? How can I be with you in the kingdom? How can I be one of your followers? And Jesus said this. He says, in fact, I think it'll be up here. If, if you want to be perfect, go sell all your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away. He walked away sad because he had great wealth. He turned away from Jesus. He knew all the commandments as we know. He knew, he knew all the right things to say. He could do the cross sign perfectly. He, he, everything in his life was great. And he had all this money. And Jesus says, give everything up and follow me. And he walked away sad. He walked away. He, in fact, he was just like clinging on to everything he had financially. Sorry to blind you guys here again, but clinging to everything he had financially. He wasn't willing to let it go. Greed can do that. So, Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out towards the east. The two men parted company. See, he, he had the pick of the litter and what did he do? 
He picked the best for himself, didn't he? Abraham lived in the land of Canaan while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. He's there. He has it going. He's like, I've got it going. I've got all the sheep. They're going to respect me because I'm wealthy. They're going to listen to me about God. I promise you they will. And everything's going to be great. And as we'll hear in the next few weeks, everything didn't turn out so hot for, for uh, Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah. So, but we'll, Dave will get into that in a couple weeks. But turning away from God can truly lead to greed. See, Lot was like, well, I, I want to go to the land that's like Egypt. And he, but he first said, I want to go to the land that's like the, the, the Lord's garden, didn't he? But then he quickly said, I want to go to the land of Egypt. Why? Well, I want to go to the land of Egypt because that's where all the money is. Um, but there's people there that need to be saved. I want to go to the, oh, but, but I want to be in the lush land of the Lord. Because the Lord's all over here and it's good. Cause it's, but I want to go back to, you know, it's like the land of Egypt where there's a lot of wealth. But I want to, but I want to do this for the Lord. But I want to go back to the over here, like it's, cause it's like Egypt because I could make a bunch more money. And my, 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 my herds could double and triple in size. And there's Lot going back to that land. Going to that land because it was like where they came from in Egypt where he made all of his money. See, there was a guy a few years ago who was a really well-respected businessman. His name is Bernie Madoff. And a few years ago, everybody in, in, on Wall Street thought the guy was golden. Everything he touched turned to gold. He was, he was revered by people as one of the most successful investors in the history of our country. People loved him. People thought he was fantastic. And then one day, we had a little pick up in the get along in the stock market and all of a sudden Bernie Madoff got exposed that he was doing the largest Ponzi scheme in the history of the world that was billions of dollars that were milked out of people, their life savings, their retirement plans. He took everything they had. Now the guy's in jail paying for the crimes that he committed. But there's a man. All I could find out is he went to, he went to a Catholic church when he was a kid. Man, how I wish we could rewind the clock a little bit and one of us could maybe witness to Bernie Madoff, but maybe that'll happen in prison. But Proverbs 10.2 says, Ill-gotten treasures, Ill-gotten treasures have no lasting value, but righteousness delivers from death. See, in Second Peter it said that Lot was righteous. He was delivered from death. And we know we'll find out how many times he was delivered from death later on. But the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had parted from him, look around from where you are to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west. All the land that I see, that you see, I will give you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go walk through the length and the breadth of the land for I am giving it to you. Here's God getting back to the promise. Here's God getting back to what he promised Abraham is you're going to bless the whole earth. Your children are going to be like grains of sand, like stars in the sky. We're not going to be able to count them and walk through this land I've given you and see how amazing it is and find that place. Because, you know, 
Abraham had realized that God's blessing was from obedience. And he was generous to Lot when he didn't have to be. But isn't it true that greed can lead to and can lead us to jealousy? But generosity can lead and really should lead us to contentment. That greed turns us from God, but generosity should turn us toward God. I remember watching Oprah a couple months ago. I don't watch Oprah often. You guys like, he's talking about Oprah a lot. I don't really, I've really watched her like three times in my life. But I was watching her and I was like, man, if she just said this, I would think she was a Christian. If she just said that, I would go, oh, she, you know, she's so close. I pray that somebody in her life that's a Christian would witness to her. Imagine what that generosity could be if she was a follower of Jesus. But greed turns us from God. Generosity turns us to God. Greed repels others from God, but generosity leads others to God. You know, right now we're having a campaign here at the church. It's a CIA. It's, it's give a buck for a bag of groceries, right? You guys, a bunch of you will drop that off on the end of service. And you know what the cool thing about that is? Is that you guys are encouraged to, to write a neighbor's name down. Write a friend, a kid from school, their family, write somebody down. I encourage you, instead of looking to your left or your right here, look to your left or your right at your house or at your school or at your place of work. And let's bless others with our generosity that maybe don't know God. Because our generosity will lead them to God. Don't we need more of us and our generosity as Christians out there? And if you're here for the first time and you're like, I don't even know what you're talking about, dude. This should be the place where you feel like the people are the most generous you've ever met in your life. But isn't it sad that that's not how the world looks at the Christian community? They look at us as judgmental, as hypocritical. We point a lot of fingers. We do a lot of judging. But they don't look at us as generous, as kind, as giving. And they need to. And we need to remember why. So as as the worship team comes back up, I'm going to read to you this last verse because those of you in here that are going to wonder why I didn't read the last verse, I'm getting to it. So Abram went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron where he pitched his tents and there... He built an altar to the Lord. See, throughout the Bible, the Israelites, Noah, when he came off of the, of the ark, Abraham here, it's all over the Bible that the, the, the people built altars to God. And why did they do that? They did it to, to honor God, to, to, for sacrifices, and they did it for remembering what God did for them in their lives. And today... We have the privilege, we have the opportunity to do the same. And that's come to the altar of communion and remember God. Remember Jesus, what he did on the cross for us. It says in 1 Corinthians that on the night he was betrayed, he took bread and he gave thanks. And he broke it and he said, this is my body, which was shed for you. Take this in remembrance of me. And he took the cup and he lifted it up and he said, This is my blood. I give thanks for this. And every time you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. 
Because when you drink this, when you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes back. And if you're in here and you're not a believer, you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe this needs to be your time where you follow him, where you become one. It's as simple as this. You just, while everybody that is a follower of Jesus is coming up to partake in the elements, either up here or in the back, just where you're at, just say a little prayer. Just say, Jesus, I'm your follower. Be the Lord of my life. Fill me up today. And you will be. Let's pray. Father, as we take the elements today, Lord, we, we proclaim the truth of your word and know that we don't deserve, we don't deserve to even partake in these things. But as we take them, Lord, we do these things to remember what you did for us on the cross. In these moments, these personal moments, Lord, we bring to you our sin, our hang-ups, our afflictions, and we give them over to you, God, as we do the rest of this day in your mighty name. Amen. It's our hope that today's podcast has enriched your life and answered questions you may have had. If you'd like more information about what was said in this podcast or about Bay Hills Community Church, you can reach us on the Internet at www.bayhills.net. Bay Hills, located in El Sobrante, California, is radically committed to reaching the unchurched in the Bay Area and to developing believers into fully devoted followers of Christ. Thanks again for listening.